Part two of session 86. Let's dedicate this episode to dreaming and healing while dreaming. Let's begin. So we need to recap the last question that I covered in the last episode, because that's when we started the conversation about dreaming and dreaming being an activity of the mind for various purposes. But um, I believe Don was asking specifically about polarization and how that aids. Let me just make sure before I commit to that. Uh, yes, it would aid greatly in polarization, is what Don said. Okay, so we explored different scenarios, which I'm just going to recap for the purpose of, I guess, priming you for the rest of the answers, because they're all going to come out of this um, question seven. That's the last one we covered, and it was a pretty long one. Uh, so definitely go check it out if you didn't. Um, last question I covered. And so we had different scenarios. We started with the scenario of the mind, body, spirit that was blocked in its lower energy centers. Uh, then we move to those who are enjoying a open heart, a green energy center that is pretty active, but yet goes back to certain blockages, meaning that certain things still trigger them. So dreaming may have an activity there that is helpful for polarization, of course, because that's the purpose of polarization. And then there is the uh, scenario of the adept. I, may, I might be skipping one. Um, I think there's one also of the dreaming, uh, of the one who has a heart activated, which is prophetic, uh, they're going to mention some of that now. And there's also the adept who can use the activity of dreaming as a sort of um, way to not only uh, healing is something that's happening, as we'll see all the time, uh, but the, the opening of the indigo ray seems to be aided by this dreaming activity once the adept we talked about that, that there's a whole process that I, I talked about that is I talked about uh, Jean-Pierre Garnier who uh, developed this method for uh, quantum doubling I think it is something to that effect I mean people got the gist of it and it doesn't have to become a practice like he suggested people got the gist of it and have been creating their own methods and it's just simply going to bed and saying, I surrender to the higher intelligence in me, the higher wisdom in me, which, you know, you have to make it a practice. You have to make it a, a sort of ritual. And when I say ritual, I just mean something repetitive and that you put your, your faith and your will in it. So it's a whole process. In any case, those are the scenarios. And uh, Ra gave an explanation to all of them. I won't continue talking about this because that's all in the previous episode. So with that being said, we can move to the next question that I have here. And that would be question eight, 
where Don says, how is the dream designed or programmed? Is this done by the higher self or who is responsible for this? And so Ra says, in all cases, the mind-body-spirit complex makes what use it can of the faculty of the dreaming. It itself is responsible for this activity. Don follows up and says, then you are saying that the subconscious is responsible for what I would call design or script writing for the dream. Is this correct? Ra says, this is correct. So it is the subconscious mind that does it. And you see, we are breaking down. I want to, I want to collapse all of this into the experience of being. Okay. Because we can get stuck with who am I? Well, I'm just a conscious mind, right? And I have, I, the conscious mind, have a subconscious mind. And that subconscious mind does things for me. It's a mystery how it does it, but it is what it does all this stuff for me. Then there is the unconscious mind, you know, and in the unconscious mind at some point, there is the higher self and uh, there are other selves that I am. We, we break down too much who we are into little bits and pieces of entities that are supposed to be, uh, you know, the separate self and the higher self and the subconscious self and the unconscious self, the unmanifested self and all of this. These are like saying, um, you know, the artistic self in me, uh, the mathematical self in me. These are not distinct, discrete entities. This is you. You're just describing different parts of the process that you call being. So let's do that. Okay. We're talking about the different functions of the mind, which is not who you are, but functions of the mind nonetheless. So what we do here is that we collapse all of this and say, this is me doing everything. Okay. It's just an activity of the self going on. So because we go into this um, dissection, right, of, of, the, of the mind, then we get, well, it's not the higher self who does it, because the higher self is a resource that knows and informs what should be the proper cause or the, the, the proper course for action and that is towards unity, towards polarization, towards evolution as we know it spiritually. But then there is the subconscious mind which has all the information on whatever it is that is happening in, uh, in the person's experiential continuum, what's happening right now in their lives, you see, and is the one responsible for providing that sense of um, happenings and how things are being uh, synthesized within the conscious mind. So that's what they're talking about here. It is not the higher self who is responsible, or rather it is not the highest resource that we have for moving towards unity that designs the, the dream, but rather the subconscious mind, which is the one that uh, contains all the information about the current life experience of the entity of the mind who has experienced all of this. So I kind of made a summary 
of what I, the way I perceive all of this, uh, I want to make the concession that there is a lot of power in the idea that there are distinct entities and that I am made out of uh, different parts and that doesn't, it doesn't check with me. So I always bring this view of unity within the self. There is no other unity within the universe. There is just one self and that is you. So if we can collapse all of this, I will. Uh, but it is helpful to talk about the tree in terms of roots, trunk, uh, branches, fruits, leaves, and so on. However, it's just one tree. And when the fruit is coming, then the tree is fruiting as, as that. But it is the same tree, the acorn, the seeds, whatever it has. That's all the tree. The tree is just one continuum. Okay, so that's what happens in the subconscious mind. Uh, there is an activity going on, right? That's what is providing this feedback loop with the conscious mind. And that's what produces the dreams. The symbol symbology of what's going on in the mind is projected as a dream. Okay. Question 10, Don says, is the memory that the individual has upon waking from the dream usually reasonably accurate? Is the dream easily remembered? Ra says, you must realize that we are overgeneralizing in order to, to answer your queries, as there are several sorts of dreams. However, in general, it may be noted that it is only for a trained and disciplined observer to have reasonably good recall of the dreaming. This faculty may be learned by virtue of a discipline of the recording immediately upon awakening of each and every detail which can be recalled. This training sharpens one's ability to recall the dream. The most common perception of a mind-body-spirit complex of its dreams is muddy, muddled, and quickly lost. So, don't feel bad for not remembering your dreams, <laughs> especially so accurately. Um, I've only met a handful of people who can and has um, or have this this ability. Now, I'm going to disagree a little bit with Raw here. Uh, well, not disagree, but just because they say may be learned, it may. So they're not saying has to be learned. So no, I won't disagree with Ra. I'll just add something else to that. Um, but okay, so the question here is, is it, you know, normal that we should remember our dreams? I know Don, well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that Don knew that most people forget their dreams. So I'm pretty sure that his question came from uh, an assumption that maybe it is our natural state to remember dreams, but we don't because we have been so um, deviated from, from our normal state of being. But um, that's just speculation. The point is that he asked if, if it was easy you know, we were supposed to remember our dreams easily. And Ross says no. Uh, but before they say no, they say, 
please note that we are overgeneralizing. Most common perception of a mind-body-spirit complex of its dreams is basically blurred and quickly lost. That is actually my experience, probably is yours. If not, then you fall into that handful of people that I have met who can easily remember their dreams. Uh, interestingly enough, my, my mother used to have a very, very good recollection of dreams. Uh, and even more interesting, Julie, my wife, does so too. She remembers her dreams in a uh, spookily, spookily, spooky, yeah, in a very spooky manner, meaning that she recalls dreams when she was seven, 15, whatever. It's almost like a vivid memory of what happened. In fact, dreams tend to cause a very, not all the time, but some dreams tend to call a big, a cause a big impression in her. And she can remember details. I mean, what people were wearing and things like that. So I am going on the limb here saying that some people have this capacity without training it because she never trained for it. It's just a natural thing for her. Um, but Ra does indicate that we can train this. And we have talked about this for what seems decades already, probably hundreds of years. And if you record your dreams, then you can have a, a, an easier recall because you're getting used to the landscape of, of the dream, symbologies, people who are recurring in your dreams and so on. They represent things. So you start decoding, uh, yes, um, decrypting, I guess, the dreams. So that's possible. Um, and so it is for the trained and disciplined observer to have a good recall of the dreaming. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, for example, Julie or my mom, they weren't trained and disciplined observers to recall their dreams, and yet they did. And um, that's, that's something that to me has to do with the mind. You know, I, I've, I've had some dreams that I recall and I can remember still, but they are quickly lost to me just like most people so yeah that's the that's the whole thing about recalling dreams it depends on how disciplined you are or how your mind is and what is the use of these dreams then well let's find out a little bit more in question 11 don says in that remembering dreams, you are saying that the individual can find specific clues to current energy center blockages and may thereby reduce or eliminate those blockages. Is this correct? Ra says, this is so. Don follows up and says, is there any further function of dreaming that is of value in the evolutionary process? Ra explains, although there are many which are some of some value, we would choose to to note, since these two, though not of value in polarization, may be of value in a more generalized sense. So just to cover before we dive into this uh, relatively long answer, uh, Don simply asked if uh, there's not much to say here. Uh, Don is saying, 
can we use dreams to unblock the energy centers? And Ra basically says, yes, you know, that's the value of, of the dreams in that we can recall them and then analyze what's happening in, in the subconscious mind. Now, before I get into the other values or functions of dreaming in the evolutionary process, which Ra already said, we're not going to talk about something that is of value in polarization or evolution. That's another word for uh, polarization. I, I like to simplify things. You know me for this. And so I'll, I'll add this in the vocabulary as a synonym. Evolution, polarization, same thing. Okay. I mean, in the context of humans and further more down the line of the mind-body-spirit complex, but um, polarization is not present until third density. So we can say that evolution starts at first density, but let's not be picky. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about human uh, polarization and human evolution, which it's tied in with polarization. Okay, so um, to finish up, what was I going to say? Um, oh, yes. So we're talking about dreaming as a method or a practice or a discipline in which you can get to know your subconscious mind, right? That's all that's happening. Your subconscious mind is producing a symbolic representation of what is going on in the mind, what's going on underneath the mind. Yes? So the subconscious mind simply projects to the conscious mind in the form of a dream uh, what's going on, right? And that's why dreams are so strange. Because, well, to us, our subconscious mind is kind of strange. And so, in viewing this, you're looking at a snapshot, actually, is a sort of uh, mini-movie or a chapter of your life represented symbolically so you can, you can get to know what's going on. You can analyze dreams and you can, it can aid in polarization, as Ross said. Well, that's great. And it requires discipline. Now, there's another discipline or practice, although it's not a practice, it's a non-practice, uh, which is called meditation. In meditation, you're also going through the subconscious mind. You're allowing the subconscious mind to be as it is. And although it's a slower process, it is a, it is the most, in my opinion, um, becoming the meditative um, state. I think that's what it is. I mean, we can call it meditation. I do an hour of meditation every day and so on, or two hours or half hour or five minutes, whatever it is. Uh, we can call it that, or we can just call it the meditative state in which you are constantly allowing that which is to be accepted. That is another way to work with your subconscious mind. And that's why in the last episode, I emphasize that dreaming is a possibility of work. Meditation is another one. Um, this is the reason, and we'll go deeper on this, but this is the reason why certain, and Ra talked about this. Actually, it wasn't Ra, it was 
cool, but Mariah's part of cool. I remember in, in one of the channelings, they said that uh, there's a reason why certain monks, for example, don't need sleep that much. They only need a couple of hours or something like that uh, because their state of mind is constantly there. So there's a lot of allowing and processing of what is. And yeah, so just so you know, you know, you don't need to go into the dreaming uh, state and analyze everything. In fact, I would say that is a little bit clumsy for most people. Um, but I don't want to discourage it. I just want to say that it's um, it's not one of the most advanced practices, especially in mystical traditions. Um, dreaming seems to be of very little value because the resources of the dream are available here if we pay attention to it. But to pay attention, we have to numb this neurotic conscious mind or actually pacify it, bring it down to a level which is congruent with the subconscious mind. And here we go with brain waves and all these things. And that's why in meditation, you're looking for a specific brain wave and all of this scientific stuff that has been now thrown at us it's all talking about the same thing. So, with that being said, we can move on to the answer that Ra gave here. And just to refresh it, they said, we're gonna give you, in essence, uh, a couple of the functions, but they are not related to um, polarization. So keep that in mind. These functions of the dreaming activity are not uh, of value in polarization but they may have value in a more generalized sense and thus can lead to polarization, as we'll see. So, all right, what does Ra say? They say the activity of dreaming is an activity in which there is made a finely wrought and excellently fashioned bridge from conscious to unconscious. In this state, the various distortions which have occurred in the energy web of the body complex due to misprecision, a word that I'll talk about in a bit, with, the, uh, with which energy influxes have been received are healed. The proper amount of dreaming comes the healing of these distortions. That sounds strange. With the proper amount of dreaming comes the healing of these distortions. There we go. Continued lack of this possibility can cause seriously distorted mind-body-spirit complexes. So here is an important one, I believe, that has nothing to do with polarization, but with preservation of <laughs> the mind-body-spirit complex or the human experience. Uh, but first, they talked about this finely wrought and excellently fashioned bridge from conscious to unconscious. Uh, I love this because you see, the conscious mind is the one that is experiencing the dream, right? That's the surface level of mind. I am here. I am in this space and time. You see, uh, although time is a little bit strange and space as well in our perception in the dream, nonetheless, there is space and time. There are things happening and there is a space in which these things are happening. You see, so that is the conscious mind perceiving space and time within the dream. But the subconscious mind is the one that is producing all of this 
as let's just say is uh, the brick and mortar of the dream you know it's the, the the material the resources in which the symbology of the dream is being created and then there is the unconscious mind whose intention is to sort of provide this is where the higher self is kind of involved because it's producing the um, the scenario that is capable of aiding in polarization whatever it may be the case for the dreamer so you see the whole process of dreaming here being uh, fashioned as Ross says it's a finely wrought and excellently fashioned bridge from conscious to unconscious okay so there there we go we have the whole picture of dreaming in this state of dreaming uh, various distortions which have occurred in the energy web of the body complex so many of the things that happen throughout the day and affected the energy web of your your being right all these things that are affecting you in your life or are impacting you let's say doesn't have to be affecting in the negative sense but impacting yourself in one way or another then uh, due to the misprecision um, so here's the word that is kind of debated in in the material. Rod did say misprecision. Apparently, I didn't know this, but the word misprecision doesn't exist. Uh, I kind of like it. It's inaccurate, maybe. Uh, synonym for this word, misprecision, being inaccurate, not precise. Um, but it also this is just a suggestion in the material and I'll throw it in as well Rob might have said misprison which um, I forget the meaning of misprison is it something uh, discarded or something like that misprison I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right yeah like a mistake misunderstanding or something that is I don't think I kind of like the word misprecision as opposed to misprison. I, I have to see how it was translated into Spanish. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, so I, I it could be mistake, error, misunderstanding. I mean, it, it also checks in. But what is Ross trying to say here? Um, sorry about that. I keep hitting, hitting the table. Um, so, in essence, in the waking state, we are impacted by reality. And because of our perception of self, we create a sort of image and we, we are affected by whatever impacts us. And that is what Ra calls misprecision or misprecision, where that wasn't me hitting the table, it's just contraction and expansion of wood. <laughs> I live in a wooden house, so it's it's speaking all the time. It's uh, it's crackling. So, all right, I, I've been running around this question uh, or this answer. How do I summarize it? We are impacted by things that happen in our life. That is the energy web of the body. You see, the mind is distorted is affected by it it goes into the dreaming state and it unwinds these distortions period that's all they're saying 
<laughs> That's why they say, um, so due to the misprecision with which energy influxes have been received are healed. So they further explain, with the proper amount of dreaming comes the healing of these distortions. With the proper amount of dreaming, whatever happened to you are um, in your life is healed. This is the healing and so needed um, value of sleeping. You need to dream. You need to do this um, recovery. That's what dreaming or sleeping is about, recovery of whatever it is that's happening. And Ra says that continued lack of this possibility can cause seriously distorted mind-body-spirit complexes. That is saying, I mean, this, this doesn't mean, remember, this has nothing to do with polarization. It has to do with what I said, preserving the mind-body-spirit complex, uh, keeping it healthy, maintaining it, right? Maintenance is probably a better word. Um, because if you stop sleeping, no dreaming, you can get very distorted. We know this. I don't have to elaborate on this. If you don't sleep, just try it for a day. You know, try to go uh, 24 hours awake and you start feeling this, then do 48 hours and yeah, people have done this. It's interesting. There was a... Um, I think it was a French guy who, he was a miner and, or he owned the mine, I forget. And he did this study. I don't know how long he stayed in the mine, um, underground. And he noticed that he was starting to lose. He was awake. He was just awake the whole time. He was doing an experiment. And he realized that he, his capacity to measure time somehow just got completely distorted. So... Yeah, things can happen to distort the mind-body-spirit complex if we don't sleep, but I don't think that's something I need to emphasize that much here. All right, Ra's going to continue here and say, The other function of the dreaming, which is of aid, is the type of dream which is visionary and which prophets and mystics have experienced from days of old. Their visions come through the roots of mind and speak to a hungry world. Thus, the dream is of service without being of a personally polarizing nature. However, in that mystic or prophet who desires to serve, such service will increase the entity's polarity. So there is, of course, like I said, possibility of polarization through these functions. Uh, in essence, this whole paragraph is to say that there is a function of dreaming which is prophetic in the visionary dreams that are about what's going to happen or what can happen or where are things and so on. Um, people have been experimenting and exploring this for ages and they'll continue to do because it's fun. Uh, but it has no purpose in polarization. It is not, not at all a symbol or a sign of spiritual progress, because spiritual progress has to do with evolution, as I said, and evolution has to do with polarization. This has nothing to do with polarization. However, like Ross said, 
in that person, mystic prophet, whatever you want to call it, who desires to serve, then that service will increase the entity's polarity. So Edgar Casey, the sleeping or dreaming prophet, I forget, might have polarized greatly because of his service, not because he was a prophet or because he knew things about others and helped, well, helped others, yes, but not because of his capacity to help others, but because how he used it. So it's all about the service in uh, per se. In this case, okay, polarization has nothing to do with activity or doing. It's just that if your service is to act, to act and do things, then great. But other services are not about acting or service. Uh, they're just, say, passive radiators. Um, and even what I do, which I would consider is my service to talk about this, I, I have to confess, and I, I'm sorry if I disappoint some of you, but I don't have in the core, this is just me being honest, at my core, I, I don't do this to help others. It is, it is, first of all, something that I enjoy so much talking about this and hey, Lo and behold, people are interested in talking about this, um, about this path of self-knowledge, knowing yourself. That's great. Um, and that provides the bridge for serving others, then that's great. But this specific thing that I do, I just do it because I enjoy it. And now it helps others. That's fantastic, you know. Um, but it helps me to feel with myself and I just enjoy doing it I don't do it for anything in particular and I'll continue to do it like I said from the beginning because I love this material <laughs> so um, yeah there is there is an interplay there if your path you know is leading you to help people people are going to you and asking you know I I want to know more then yeah why not you know and if you feel like you do I'll give you another example Bodhidharma uh, he was known for not caring <laughs> at all. He was just being himself. And people just, you know, rushed to him and asked him questions about what's the principle of Buddhism and all of this. And he was very drastic with his comments. Uh, he is the first patriarch of uh, Zen. Actually, well, yeah, he's known as the first patriarch, but his teacher was actually a, a woman. I forget her name. Um... Uh, well, it is debated if it was a name, but if it was a woman, but the name seems to suggest and some other stories, but who cares? Man, woman, doesn't matter. It's about the knowledge that was transmitted there. So yeah, Bodhidharma wasn't uh, a big, you know, I'm going to help you, you know, one of those. He was just, leave me alone. <laughs> I have nothing to teach you. And that's what spurred most of these uh, uh, followers. <laughs> you have a lot to teach. I can see it. Uh, so you don't have to be. You don't have to be of service. You just have to be you. Whatever it is that you are. That's why complete honesty with yourself is important. So, all right. This dreaming capacity has no polarization value unless it is part of you to be of help somehow with it. And I'll emphasize it again. 
This is not about going out and helping people with your things, with what you do. It's about you being you. That's it. But who are you? That's the question. How can you be you if you don't know who you are? All right, I promise I won't get into that right now. Let's move on. Don says in question 13, there is a portion of sleep that has been called REM. Is this the state of dreaming? Rock holds or says this is correct. Don follows up and says it was noticed that this occurs in small units during the night with gaps in between. Is there any particular reason for this? Ra says, yes. <laughs> um, Don says, if it is of any value to know that, would you tell me why the dreaming process works like that? Ra says, the portions of the dreaming process which are helpful for polarization and also for division of the mystic take place in time space and consequently use the bridge from metaphysical to physical for what seems to be a brief period of your space-time, the time-space equivalent is far greater. So, um, let's get let's get rid of all the um, structural part of this answer, and then we'll we'll get into something fun. Yes. Uh, okay. So first is through REM that we that's rapid eye movement for those who don't know it uh, that's not the uh, the band REM <laughs> losing my religion appropriate though that's not what we're talking about here REM rapid eye movement is that portion of the sleep where you're dreaming we have recorded this over decades already um, so we're talking about this remember this material is 40 41 years old 42 wow feels like yesterday when i did a video about their 40 years in any case what's happening here um ross says just make sure that that's what don yeah he wants to know what's um what's going on there why is the process like that ross says the portions of the dreaming process which are helpful for polarization and also for the vision of the mystic. That's when you have these dreams, these symbolic dreams. Um, they take in time space. They take place in time space. And so they're using a bridge from metaphysical to physical. Again, the conscious mind is involved in the dream. That's why you recall them. Right? That's why you have a sort of recollection of it. So it's happening. It's a connection between time space, metaphysical, and uh, space time, the physical. Now, it seems that in our space time, in, in, in the waking state, it seems like a very brief period of time. The equivalent in time space, because of the amount of work that is done, is greater so that's why it seems so short i've always theorized that whatever is happening in the rem is very intense and the body cannot take it for too long so it's almost like um you know it's, it's like in the matrix when neo gets gets kung fu 
<laughs> you know, it's like very fast. Uh, it's a download. So that's why we use all these terms now in the new age. So that's it. You know, there is this um, there is this capacity for for getting this download of dreams, and that is a bridge between physical and metaphysical, space-time and time-space, conscious and unconscious. Now, Ra is going to continue and say, the bridge remains, however, and traduces each distortion of mind, body, and spirit as it has received the distortions of energy influxes so that healing may take place. This healing process does not occur with the incidence of rapid eye movement, but rather occurs largely in the space-time portion of the mind-body-spirit complex, using the bridge to time-space for the process of healing to be enabled. Okay. So... Interesting. So we have the bridge, um, again, between physical and metaphysical, time-space, uh, space-time or time-space, conscious and unconscious. That's a bridge that happens in dreaming. Okay, what we experience is that bridge. They use the word traduce, and I learned this, just reading this, that traduce is a word in English that means, um, what does it mean? It's, um, it's like talking bad about something or someone, or uh, the word comes in Spanish. Difamar, is difamar a word? Um, oh, my, my translator is all messed up. English to Spanish, please or Spanish to English, actually. Difamar in English means batmouth, slander, defame. I like defame. Sounds better. Sounds more accurate to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a... Uh, I don't know why it got that meaning at some point in the English language, but traduce means to bring over to in fact that's the word in spanish that we use for translate you see there is a translation and i think that's ross not using defame here you know it's not defaming the distortion of the mind it is translating so i am i like you know that the core of the word traduce it comes from the same, from bring over, uh, to move from one place to, to the other and uh, transport, something like that. But yeah, that's not the meaning that Ra meant here. So I like translation, it's translating the distortions of the mind. And it's interesting because every other, I mean, this comes from Latin uh, in English, we have, we have lost a lot of the Latin meaning. But in Spanish, like I said, it means the same thing, traducir. And in fact, we, don't, we not only use it for language, but if I am um, thinking about something and I say, you know, I'm going to translate my thoughts into 
an explanation, we can use it that way. You see, that's that's what the mind is doing in the dreaming state. Um, every other language that comes out of Latin has maintained um, the the same roots and the same meaning, which means to translate. So. I just want to say that Ra, for the first time, says something in Spanish. Traduce. The, <laughs> the bridge traduce or translates the distortions of the mind, body, and spirit. As it has received the distortions of the energy influxes so that healing may take place. So, remember how I just talked about in the waking state, we are impacted by catalysts and whatever is happening in our lives. Then we go into the dreaming state. And in the dreaming state, there is a bridge between the unconscious mind that wants to heal, of course, the subconscious mind that is creating a sort of symbology of what's happening, and then the conscious mind is perceiving. It's almost like you sit down in a class, um, and oh, this makes so much sense. When I started, let me give a little parenthesis here to make some context. When I first got involved into spirituality, some four years ago or more, um, I was presented with the idea that when you go to sleep, you go into other dimensions and you travel and you do work there and you do all these things. And to me, again, um, I like mythology to a point, but I like to see what mythology is pointing at. I don't like to remain with mythology. I travel to another place that is not here yeah, we're talking about the mind. That's what it was meant. So you sit down in a classroom, basically, and you're being taught by the higher self uh, what's going on. The conscious mind is being trained. But you're not the conscious mind. That's just what you perceive. So, yeah, this bridge to me is like the classroom, you know, in which healing process is taking place. Now, Ross says that the healing process does not occur with the rapid eye movement, REM, but it occurs largely in the space-time portion of the mind-body-spirit complex. So through the conscious mind perceiving all of this, and it doesn't have to recall it, as I understand it, it doesn't have to recall the dreams for this healing to happen. I haven't said that yet, and um, I think it's important for us to, to mention it now. Yes, there is the. There is no need to re recall this for it to happen. Why do I say this? Somebody might be saying, "Gabe, you just talk about polarization, the dreaming and recalling, and it aids and all of this." Well, not for this. This is as Ross said. We need to sleep, whether we recall it or not. We need to sleep, right? That's what they said. If we go a long time without sleeping, we'll know what happens. Uh, various distortions, severe distortions, can happen to the mind-body-spirit complex. So, okay. That means that just sleeping alone refreshes and regenerates the body. Everybody around the world is going through it. Nobody is using dreaming as a recall for polarization. They're simply refreshing and they feel... Uh, yes, regenerated after a good night's sleep. That's because healing is happening independent. This type of healing, which I call maintenance of the body. Again, this is a, a process and activity of dreaming that has nothing to do with polarization. 
You can, however, study the mind through dreaming. That's another point. That's not what we're talking about here. So the healing process uh, happens in, uh, in space-time due to the intervention of time-space in a sort of um, understandable uh, way of the mind to see it, which is the dream. Okay. So that's about it, right? For the process of healing to be enabled, I think everything else they said I just kind of described. It doesn't happen in in REM, but in the space-time portion using the bridge of time-space. So yeah, isn't that bridge that is happening? You don't have to be aware. You you may not have to even be aware that you had dreams. It just it's it's healing. It's it's a sort of regeneration, like I said. Not much to say there. Now, I will mention something that I think is interesting for those who enjoy this material. And related to REM, so a couple of things. This is a theory of mine. Uh, since we're almost done with the questions that I had for today, I'm just gonna cover two more, which are not important, but it's gonna prime us for the next session or for the next episode to finish this session. Uh, let me talk about this a bit. It's kind of interesting. You, you might like this because we're talking about third density, right? In the law of one, we know third density as a period of time of 75,000 years. Those 75,000 years are divided into cycles, which we don't need to discuss here. We just need to call this 75,000 year a major cycle. Now, this major cycle is finishing right now. That means that 75,000 years ago is when we kind of... Um, became humans as we know ourselves. I did have a bit of a um, unresolved question with the law of one because that doesn't seem to check out. Homo sapiens have been around for 200,000 years, perhaps more. So why is it that 75,000 years is where third density started? Well, I got into reading and um, a couple of things started to click because there is no clear science on when this happened. But my research brought me to a point which I kind of feel comfortable at the moment, always open to new interpretation. But Homo sapiens, they, they were around 200,000 years ago. That meant that we had sort of like everything that we are, we are right now. And yeah, you can recognize uh, one of them like us. I do believe, however, that a part of the brain was not developed. An activity of the brain, a potential activity of the brain was not developed until later. And that is the default mode network. Interesting. Uh, Gary Weber, a uh, researcher, has talked about this being 75,000 years ago or so. That's when we developed the default mode network. Now, what is that? Is that a sort of software that is in our minds? <laughs> yes, actually. The default mode network is that section of the brain that lightens up and continues in high activity when we're having thoughts about ourselves. In other words, when I recognize, you know, that me, 
thoughts about me. Exacerbation of this activity causes stress, anxiety, depression, and so on. The decrease in this activity is related to mysticism or to a calm mind, which means very little thoughts about myself. Well, my thoughts are directed to something else, not about myself. So the default mode network is something that to me developed over time, 100,000 years or so. And in this time, there was the transmission of knowledge. That's something that animals don't do very efficient. You see, whereas us humans with our new body 200,000 years ago started doing, we can transmit and um, we can teach, we can teach others. And of course, we can teach those who are like us. We try to teach animals, they don't get it. We teach other humans, our children, for example, they learn, you know, this is what I found. You know, if I sharpen this, this happens. And look, I can kill an animal, you know? So I think that this activity of teaching, being able to teach and the brain being able to grasp it, created an acceleration of the sense of self, increasing the activity of the default mode network as we know it. At certain points, that was so, so mature, let's say, that we develop self-consciousness. It checks with the law of one 75,000 years ago is where third density arose. We develop self-consciousness. That's the only difference between animals and us. Or with our homo sapien ancestor 200,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, and us we have a very strong sense of self. I am, I exist. And so from there, um, we develop, we, we accelerate a lot. Now, what else happened 75,000 years ago? Uh, there is a theory of the um, African migration, which means that Africans moved out of uh, Africa and started colonizing or mixing themselves with other species. One of them was the Neanderthal. Neanderthal. Uh, the Neanderthal was a species different than us, very similar. And guess what they gave us? This is well recorded in psychology and, of course, um, um, biology, I guess, and all of these studies about the, uh, the human. We didn't have until the Neanderthal gave us REM, rapid eyed movement, dreams. So the Neanderthal is the one that gave the mix that we are now, the capacity of dreaming. This was around 75,000 years ago. So uh, I don't know if this was needed for polarization, but it was a gift at some point in our evolution. Thank you, Neanderthal, for giving us the gift of dreaming. Huh? So you see what a little research leads you into? It's, um, it's interesting to me because, uh, and I'll finish up with this and then we'll move on. To me, it's really interesting because uh, 
when when you realize that at some point Homo sapiens became uh, aware of itself, which again is my theory that this happened because there was the transmission of knowledge. We started doing things with our hands and teaching the very well adapted being that we were and that was able to learn and we started repeating things and so the knowledge that we transmitted was greater over time and that started developing a sense of i can give knowledge i can teach you know and you are learning i me and you are separate you see it started creating this this sense of separation which is needed for third density the view the consciousness brings the illusion of separation and then it of course says i and you you see and so uh, that brought of course the capacity to me that's how i get it the default mode network which is a greater capacity to think about myself me 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 independent from others and the interesting thing is that this this phenomenon that creates self-awareness is what created all the calamities, tragedies, drama of the human species. This idea that I exist and you are separate from me. And yet the solution to all of this is to go back to that simple realization of I am. That is the key. So the same thing that caused everything to distance itself as humans from each other is the same door in which we go back to the self. Isn't that a beauty? To me it is. But all right, I wanted to share that as part of my um, my research, the things that I find um, and they're just fascinating. So hope you liked it. Let me know in the comments if you did. I will finish this episode with a couple more questions to set up for, for next time. Question 16, Don says, you mentioned loss of knowledge and control over the body as being a factor that was helpful in the evolutionary process due to veiling. Could you enumerate the important losses of knowledge and control over the body? Ra simply says, this query contains some portions which could or would be more helpfully answered were some intervening material requested. Um, you know what? I'm going to leave it at this because this is... Um, yeah, this is going to lead into the next topic. And just so you know that we're going to talk about the conditions of the body pre-veil and post-veil and how that aided somehow in the evolution process, right? Being a factor in evolutionary process due to veiling. So yeah, we'll find out in the next episode. Um, I wanted to cover these two questions, but I'll just do it again in the next one. So we, we have a, a fresh start in the last part of this session. Conclusions. I talked about um this recent beautiful uh, idea of 
knowing who you are. Because the point of self-awareness, when we, um, when we, when we go into it, right? The point of self-awareness is to know who you are, right? This Homo sapien, who said, "Oh, I am. I exist." You can say is the creator waking up to its reality, to its creation. It really is like it's being is totally asleep in this um, in this dream world of moving and things happening. The animal world is sort of like a dream. Everything is tied in together, and you know I feel things, but I don't know what's happening. I have no idea. And so the creator wakes up from its dream and says, I am, you know, and this, this is, I am, this is. When we explore this, this simple, basic realization, now bear in mind that Homo sapiens didn't need vast resources of knowledge. Uh, Homo sapiens, 75,000 years ago, they didn't need channeling from higher densities. They didn't need anything to simply know who they are. Okay, so the simplicity of this exploration was available then and is available now. We don't need 75,000 years of evolution to, to get to this point. It was always available and it is always available. It is not in any way, shape or form made out of some sort of you know, mental evolution. What we have evolved is through a lot of experience and that is valuable. I'm not saying no, but I will say that none of that is necessary to get in touch with the deepest portion of who you are once we take the I am to the core of what it means. What does it mean? Why do you say you are? Why? Well, because clearly I am. Well, it's not clear. Go really, really into it. Find out. Find out what it is that you are. And you will find every single solution, every single beauty of this world, love, peace, uh, communion, uh, friendship, everything you'll find there. The whole universe is found there. So that's my suggestion. Haven't talked about evolution. I appreciate you as always being here, uh, listening to me share this material. I have nothing else to say, but um, yeah, we're gonna finish this in the last uh, episode of session 86. We'll talk about this veiling of the body, which is an interesting topic and some other stuff I don't remember, but I have, I'm, I'm, I have confidence that it's going to be helpful as usual. All right. Have a good day. Have a good night. Enjoy whatever it is that's happening in your life. And I'll see you in part three of session 86.